Well, hey, good morning, y'all. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. Man, I'm so glad that you have joined us here at Friendship. If this is not your normal thing on a Sunday morning, man, I especially want to say welcome to you. We're so glad that you are here. I know it can be uh, difficult and even weird sometimes to come into a place that you're not familiar with. So, man, thanks for taking a risk this morning and joining us. I believe we have an awesome day ahead of us, and I'm so glad that you're here so we're talking about Back to Church Sunday, and you may be coming in here going, why, why are you doing this Back to Church deal? You know, we, we realize that there are so many people that have had a bad experience with church, just a bad taste in your mouth from an experience you had, maybe a relationship gone wrong, or something that gave you a bad taste in your mouth towards church. Maybe you had a boring church experience. Can I get an amen in the house? Sometimes church, I remember I didn't grow up going to church, and so I remember like it was a snooze fest, right? There was times where I was like, man, this is not cool. I'd rather be sleeping at home than here. Um, maybe, you had, uh, maybe you had a weird experience. Sometimes, I'm just being honest, sometimes church can be weird, right? It can be weird. Maybe you, uh, maybe you had an irrelevant experience where you were just like, man, what you did at church just had connected in no way whatsoever to my day-to-day life. Okay, I mean, there's so many people that have had a bad experience and have made a decision to walk away from it. And I get that. But here's the thing. For those of us that are part of it, man, we know that when the church functions the way that God designed it to function, man, it is a beautiful, amazing thing. Amen? It is an incredible thing to be a part of. And so we want everybody possible to experience that as well. And you may be saying, well, why are you throwing a block party today? Well, quite simply, I believe that God loves a good party. And I believe that God's people should, of all people, throw the best parties. And some of you are like, I have no idea why you're talking about parties in church. But here, listen, what should exemplify the life of a Christ follower is joy and excitement. In fact, the Bible says that all of heaven breaks loose in rejoicing and partying when one person comes home to Jesus. When one person repents, which means turning from their ways and turning to God. And the Bible says that when one person does that, all of the angels break loose in partying in heaven. And so we of all people should throw the best parties. Amen, church? And so that's what we're doing today. So if you're a guest here today, man, we're so glad that you uh, have joined us. You know, part of my story is, again, I didn't grow up going to church. Uh, I had the experience where it was boring, it was irrelevant to my life, but there came a point when I was 16 year old, years old where I got connected to a family and a group of people who invited me in, and they welcomed me in, and they, they started me on a journey of understanding really what the church was all about. It wasn't the church wasn't a place to go to, it was a people to belong to. It was a family. And they invited me in, I began to experience what it was like to have a relationship with God. And it changed my life. It turned my life upside down. And so um, that, is, that is my story. But the reality is, it's so easy to get caught up in stereotypes of what church is, is like. Or it's, it's easy to get caught up in a bad previous experience and to, to write it off and say, I'm, gonna, I'm never going back to that. I'm never going to return to that. You know, how many of you in the house are a Cracker Barrel fan? Anybody like Cracker Barrel in here? Okay, a handful of you. Um, there was a time um, where I hated Cracker Barrel. 
all right? Um, a few years ago, I served in a church, and they knew me as the guy that hated Cracker Barrel. Help, hopefully, they knew me as more than just the guy that hated Cracker Barrel. But every chance I get, I would rip on Cracker Barrel, all right? And then something happened. Right before we moved here, uh, a family uh, gave us a gift card so we could eat at a restaurant. You know where it was? It's Cracker Barrel. You guys are a smart crowd. And uh, you know what? The, the, the lure of free food overrid my hatred of Cracker Barrel. I said, okay, let's do it. And you know what? Honestly, I could eat biscuits and gravy and bacon like all day long, okay? I could do it. And I began to go, okay, this isn't so bad after all. This is, this is not bad. Um, so we, free gift cards all day long. We'll take them, all right? I'm, I will receive. But listen, it started changing something in me. I didn't confess this to my wife. I don't think she knew this until last night. Um, there's a reason why I hated Cracker Barrel. Because there was a bad memory attached to it. Um, there was a girl that I dated before I met my incredible, perfect wife. That, um, and the first time I ever went to Cracker Barrel was with her. And we would go sometimes, and I enjoyed it. And then later on, I got to the place where I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with Cracker Barrel because it's associated with bad memories. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I started going, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't so bad. Now, I still don't love, like, the, the knickknacks and, like, the hubcaps and sewing machines hanging off the walls and surfboards and all kinds of random stuff or weaving through the maze of, like, $90 lollipops and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't love it, but I'm, uh, okay, I'll take free Cracker Barrel, all right? Here's my point this morning. People change. Things change. Seasons change. Maybe, just maybe, your bad experience with church could change beginning today. That's my hope. That's my prayer for you. No matter what your experience has been, that, man, okay, this isn't so bad. Maybe, maybe there is something to this, that you could get to experience the amazing thing that we've all got to experience about being a part of the church. And so that is our hope with this, this whole event that we're doing today. So again, thank you for coming. We're doing a three-week series called Together, and it's really about what is the church all about? What is friendship all about? Um, And I'm going to lead off with this verse of scripture from Jesus, and I've been saying this quite a bit the last little bit. John 10.10, Jesus talks about his purpose in coming to earth. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In other words, the enemy of God just wants to tear us down. But Jesus says, I came that you might have life, and you might have it abundantly. In other words, I'm not all about you just surviving and getting through life. Man, I want you to thrive in all that I've created you for. This is what Jesus came for, to give us life and life to the full. And so our mission as a church, why we exist, is we want to help others find that full life in Christ and in community and on mission. And so that's what we're going to unpack over the next couple weeks. So today, we're just going to hone in on this, this idea of together we find life. Together we find life. And so I want to ask you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the first 10 verses here. You can follow along. There's, there's paper notes. There's uh, the Bible app. There's notes in there that you can follow along with. We're going to walk through Ephesians chapter 2, really about this idea of being part of the church, okay, because the church is a family. It's a group of brothers and sisters who are bound together. It's God's family, and Jesus is the head. And so the question this morning is, how do we become part of that family, Is it just by showing up to church week after week? How do we become part of God's family? And so for some of you, this, what we'll talk about this morning is is totally new to you. 
And maybe it'll open your eyes to what the thing, this, this thing of the church is all about. For some of us, for a lot of us maybe, this is old news. We've heard this before, but we need to be reminded of our identity and who we are. And so Ephesians chapter 2, this is written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was one of uh, the original um, pillars of the faith in the first century. He, he was the one who helped spread the gospel throughout the known world. In fact, the reason we can have church today is because the Apostle Paul started planting churches and taking the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so we get to enjoy this gathering because of that. And so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a church, a group of, of believers, those who have put their faith in Jesus. And the first thing I want to talk about is who you once were. So for those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, this is, this is our story for those of you that are maybe outside of a relationship with God this morning, this is what could be your story, okay? So who you once were. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says this. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Would you say that word dead with me? Three, two, one, dead. He says, You were dead in your sin. You weren't just clinging to life or barely living. He said you were dead in your sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. He's speaking about God's enemy, Satan. And sometimes you get weirded out by that word Satan, but Satan literally just means adversary, the enemy of God. We're following just the ways of this world. It says the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived. This is the way we all lived. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he says you were what in your sin? You were what? Dead. dead. You were dead. But, but if you notice something, he said we were not just dead, we were actually walking. Like how does that happen? You were like a dead man Walking, and those are the other fans of Walking Dead are like, yeah, no, shout out. Um, no, no. We were, so here's the idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use a little prop here, a little stepper, all right? I wanted to use a treadmill this morning, but y'all, have you ever tried to move a treadmill? They're like 500 pounds, and they're full of like your clothes and dust and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so here is the idea, and if I fall, this will be a Sunday you will not soon forget, right? So here's the deal. This walking and stepping, whether it's on a elliptical or stepper or a treadmill. I'm getting tired already. All right. Okay. Here's, so what's going on here? A lot of movement, right? A lot of action, but I'm going where? Nowhere, right? Excuse me. <laughs> dismount. dismount. Um, here, here is the deal. He says, before we come to Christ, we are dead in our sin, and we're walking. We're going through the motions, going through life. We're walking, 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 but we're getting where? nowhere we're making no progress have you ever had those moments where you're like man what is this all about i'm trudging through one thing after another and this is getting me nowhere he says this is our condition before jesus that we're dead in our sins we're stuck in our sins we're separated from god because of our sin and we're walking and we're walking and we're walking and we're dead men and dead women walking the good news is it doesn't stop there. I'm going to talk about how, who we are now. Again, this is 
the Apostle Paul talking to those who have put their faith in Jesus. He says in verse number 4, Ephesians 2, verse 4, two of the most beautiful words you'll see in all of the Bible. But God, being rich in mercy, and listen to this description of who God is. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ. And I want to ask you to read those, those words with me. Made us alive together in Christ. Three, two, one. Made us together alive. Okay. My bad. My bad, y'all. All right. Let's take number two. Three, two, one. Made us alive together with Christ. He's made us alive. By grace, you've been saved. Raised us up with him resurrected us and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he, God, might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul says. Here's who you once were. You were dead in your sins. You were walking according to the course of this world. You were just born into it and you just went through the motions, getting nowhere, dead in your sin. But God, who was rich in mercy, even when we were dead in our sin, even when we could not step our way to God, he came to us. And it says that he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us. He resurrected our dead souls. And it says that he placed us or he seated us in Christ in heavenly places. Like, this is the exact opposite of that, y'all. Like, I'm feeling good right now, right? I'm going to sit for a while, right? Because I've been working, 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 and now I get to do what? Rest. I don't work my way to God. I don't do enough things to please God. I receive what Ephesians says is the grace of God, the gift of God, that he makes me alive not because of any steps I've taken towards him, but because he took every step necessary to get to me and to you. Amen? And so we get to be seated in Christ. We could get to rest in who he has made us to be in the work that he has done for us. And we're seated. It's an amazing thing. This is who we are now, so let me ask the question, how did we get here? How did we get from dead to seated here? And for some of you, this is the question, how do I move from dead man walking, dead woman walking to alive in Christ and seated in heavenly places with him? How, we're sitting in this room, but there's many of you in this room that have put your faith in Jesus. And though you may be physically seated here, spiritually, we are seated with Christ. That is our home. That is where we belong. That is where we will go. But listen, how do we get from there to here? I want you to look at Ephesians 2. The passage goes on in verse number, verse number 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. I want to ask you to say those two words, by grace, with me. Ready? Three, two, one. By grace. It's by grace. By grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing it is the what? Gift of God. 
It is the gift of God. How many of you all have ever had to earn a Christmas gift? Some of you are like, I, you know, that wasn't really a gift, was it? A gift is freely given. I don't work to earn it. It's given freely, and I receive it gratefully. And this is what he says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's not about the work you're doing. It's not about you earning it. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Like, no one can boast. Like, I'm good enough. Like, God is pleased enough with me. No, no, no. Nobody can boast, because none of us are good enough. None of us. We're all broken. The incredible thing is that he is good enough, and he is holy enough, and he has done everything to free us. It's by grace that we're saved. J.D. Greer says it this way. He says, the meat of Christianity, okay, the, like the meat and potatoes, the, this is what Christianity is all about. It's the grace of God received as a free gift. It's received. It's not something we do, it's something we receive from God. So we get from, from dead to, to, to life, from death to life through receiving the gift of God. It's through putting our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. But now what? Like, now what do we do? Okay, now that we've been brought out of death and now we are seated with Christ, now what do we do? Do we, like, just sit over here, like, on our, our holy high horse, right, and just enjoy, like, being a part of God's family and saying, well, I'm going to heaven someday. Like, I punched that ticket. All good, right? I'm good. No, no. Look at verse number 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says this. Paul says, for we are his workmanship. That's a, there's a, a Greek word behind that, poema, which is from, where we get, from which we get the word poem. We, we are God's work of art. We are his masterpiece. We are his work in progress. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Would you say those three words with me? Three, two, one. For good works. It says you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. Okay, so there's a little circle going on here. Remember we were dead men, then we've been walking. We've been seated in Christ. And then he comes back and says, okay, now that you're seated in Christ, you have been created not just to, to stay seated, but to walk. Do you see what he said that we're to walk in? Good works. We're to walk in good works. We're to walk in love. We're to serve others. We're to show Jesus to others. Maybe for some of you, the reason that you never have put your faith in Jesus, maybe the reason that you walked away from the church is because you experienced Christians who sat over here and told you what they thought, and they talked to you, but they never listened to you, and they never spoke good news to you. They never loved you. They never served you. They just talked to you about Jesus but never showed it. They talked the talk, but didn't walk the walk. You know what I'm talking about? And for some of us, the reason that we've written off God is because we've only experienced Christians who sit in heavenly places and talk it down to the sinners, which is all of us, amen? Here's what he says. I've seated you in the heavenly places. I have rescued you, redeemed you, made you alive, seated you in heavenly places so that you would now begin to walk in good works. 
that you're not going to sit around and play church, but you will actually move and get to stepping and serving people and loving people and showing people what Jesus actually looks like. He says, this is what you've been created for. But listen, there's a phrase that sometimes probably a lot of us have, have used or said amen to, and I have too. I've used it. Here's the phrase. Christianity isn't about religion. It's about a relationship. And a lot of us would say amen. I get, I get the sentiment behind this. I don't think it's totally accurate biblically. Let me explain why. Look, look at James chapter 1. I want to show you this passage. James 1, 26 and 27. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? It's worthless. What he's saying is if you think you're religious and, and yet your behavior, your outward behavior doesn't show anything of, of that nature that you actually follow God, then your religion is worthless. You're just trying to do good things, but that's really not what's in your heart. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here's what I think James is saying. He's not saying all religion is bad, right? He's saying your religion is empty and worthless if it's just talk, right? If it's, if it's not action. Good. Here's what religion is. It's good works, it's good works. It's doing good things. So let me, let me clarify and say this. We are called to religion. We are called to good works. But, okay, make sure you hear me this morning. But we don't get from death to life through good works. We don't get from being dead in our sins to being raised to life in Christ by working for it. But... When we have been rescued and redeemed and seated from this place, we can now be seated in Christ and have our identity in Christ. And this is a little awkward, all right? <laughs> but seated, and get, this is kind of hard to get going. It's the Christian life, right? <laughs> exactly. So this is weird, but this is the deal. We're to be seated and out of our position in Christ, we're walking in good works. We're serving people. We're not doing this to get God's favor. We're not doing that to be loved by God. We are loved by God. And out of this position, we get to start walking in good works, which he says, this is what you are created to do. This is what it means to be a part of the church. And so let me give you a more accurate statement, all right? Christianity is first about relationship, first about relationship, then religion. Your good works are empty apart from Jesus in you, from you resting in Christ and who he has made you to be. Christianity is first about relationship with God. Then out of this relationship, man, we, we serve and we love. It, it's like marriage, Okay. When I got married, I, was in, I, don't, I don't work to earn my wife's love. I've got it. But you know what? I serve her because I love her. I serve her because she loves me. It's out of a love relationship that I do good things for her. This is what Christianity is all about. So let me give you the bottom line this morning. 
Together we are alive, seated with Christ, and walking in good works. Would you say this all together? Three, two, one. Together we are alive, seated with Christ, and walking in good works. In Christ, together this is who he has made us to be. And so my question this morning for you, whether it's your first time here or you come week after week and have done that for decades, my question for you is this. Are you alive? Are you alive? Have you come out of this place of just walking dead in your sins, trying to please people, trying to please God, trying to please your own appetites? Have you moved away from this and put your faith in Jesus and him alone to rescue you from your sin, to rescue you and free you from your brokenness, to put you in Christ, to seat you with him? Have you done that? Are you seated with Christ? I'm not asking, are you seated in church week after week? Are you seated with Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone as the gift of God to you? That's my question. I would love for you to wrestle with that this morning. I would hate for you to leave and not answer that question. Are you alive? Because if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you're gonna continue to walk and step and move and yet go nowhere. Man, we want life and life to the full for you, what God created you for. That is why we are here. So I wanna read something to you here as we close. Um, this was actually a, uh, a blog post and it, went, uh, it was posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago and it kinda of went viral. It's by this author, it's a, a wife, mother, um, a woman named uh, Ariana Freeland. Man, it got shared everywhere, like 17,000 likes, 25,000 shares. And you, you, you all know the story, like when something gets shared and liked, it's because it resonates, right? Either it's funny or something that catches your attention or it just, man, it resonates with your heart. And so I want to read this to you. And some of you, you may find yourself in this kind of story, okay? Um, but I want you to track with me here. It'll, it'll all be on the screen for you. Church is hard. Church is hard for the person walking through the doors afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the preacher's family under the microscope of an entire body. Church is hard for the prodigal soul returning home broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together, but she doesn't. Church is hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to service. Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands and seemingly perfect families. Church is hard for the widow and widower with no invitation to lunch after service. Church is hard for the deacon with an estranged child. Church is hard for the person singing worship songs and yet overwhelmed by the weight of the lyrics. Church is hard for the man insecure in his role as a leader. Church is hard for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. Church is hard for the, the nursery worker who desperately longs for a baby to love. Church is hard for the single woman and single man praying God would bring them a mate. Church is hard for the teenage girl wearing a scarlet letter ashamed of her mistakes. Church is hard for the sinners. Church is hard for me. 
It's hard because on the outside it all looks shiny and perfect. Sunday best in behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers you find a body of imperfect people, carnal soul, and selfish motives. Church is hard, but here's the beauty of the church. Church isn't a building or a mentality or an expectation. Church is a body. Church is a group of sinners saved by grace, living in fellowship as saints. Church is a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by an eternal love. Church is a holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of grace. Amen. Church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors. Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, amen? A family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest of victories. Church, the body, the circle of sinners turned saints is where he resides. And if we ask, he is faithful to come. So even on the hard days at church, the days when I'm at odds with a friend, when I've walked in bearing burdens heavier than my heart can handle, yet masking the pain with a smile on my face, when I've worn the pressures of the world under the microscope, when I've longed for a baby to hold or fought tears as the lyrics were sung, when I've walked back in, afraid and broken after walking away, I will remember he has never failed to meet me there. He has never failed to meet me there. This is what it means to be the church, y'all. To be a part of God's family. And listen, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you're walking and tired and worn out and you know this morning you need to be delivered from your, from your condition of being dead in your sin and just moving through the motions of life and you need to be rescued. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, man, I'm, I am comfortable in my seat I am comfortable knowing Jesus and knowing my sin is forgiven. But man, I need to get to step in. I need to serve. I need to walk in love towards others. I don't know where you're at this morning. But here is the beautiful thing. that We get to do this all together. Because we are the body of Christ. And so, Father, this morning we come before you with grateful hearts. God, that you loved us so much that even in our sin, even in the hole we found ourselves in, even in the stench of our lives that reeked to you, God, you came to us 
you made your way to us. And God, there are people in this room today that I know are in a place where you are calling to them. You are pressing in on their heart because they need you. And so Lord, I pray that this morning that they would simply admit their need to you. They would confess their need for you. That they would turn to you. They would trust you alone for the grace and the forgiveness that you so freely offer. God, I pray that this would be the day of salvation for many. And so God, would you call people to yourself this morning? God, for all of us that have put our faith in you, that are seated together with you, God, would you help us to walk with you, in you, in love, God, would you use us to share the good news of grace to every person that you've put in our life? God, would you use us as the church to shine the light of the gospel everywhere we go? And so, Lord, I pray that this morning as we continue to worship you, as we continue to hear your voice speak to us, God, would you call us to obedience? Would you call us to step out and act in faith? I pray in Jesus' name.